When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit. Just for signing up, don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast. I'm Evan Lazar. Alongside me, as always, is Alex Barth and Alex we are actually going to talk about the game this weekend. I know that that's a big shock to a lot of people that have been covering the team this week or following the team, I should say. But the Patriots have a game this Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. And on this show, we are going to focus on previewing that matchup. And I have a few big picture thoughts here on this matchup and on this Patriots offense in general. Well, let's start with the Patriots offense in general, and then, and then we can get into the matchup. The, the first thing I want to sure. say is we spoke to Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, and Nelson Aguilar on Thursday, Alex, uh, down at Gillette, and all three of them had glowing, I mean glowing remarks for offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, right? Aguilar called him a very, very, very special coach. I think there were three varies in there. And Johnny Smith said, hey, this is not my offense. I'm coming in here and trusting this coaching staff to use me properly and use the pieces at our disposal properly. Hunter Henry said a similar thing. My point that I'm getting to here is something that I've been driving home for a while now, and that is the onus is on Josh McDaniels here to make this thing work. Right. Because they have four pass catchers that they've brought in in free agency. Those three that I just mentioned and Kendrick Bourne that last season produced in their last stops. They produced in 2020 for different teams. Nelson Aguilar had nearly 900 receiving yards and nine touchdowns or eight touchdowns for the Raiders last year. Johnny Smith had nine touchdowns from scrimmage. Hunter Henry has been a productive player his entire career in L.A. Kendrick Bourne had a little bit of a breakout year last season for San Francisco, and you have a first-round quarterback who just so happens to be a terrific scheme fit in what the Patriots typically like to do on offense. So let's see it, Josh McDaniels. Let's see the very, very, very special coach. And I get some people might think I'm being a little bit impatient, and maybe I am, but my point is is that whether it's, right away or not, and I will give him the benefit of the doubt that it doesn't have to happen overnight with so many new pieces. But at the end of the day, this Patriots offense has been in a slump, I would say, since down the stretch in 2019, right? We're we're going on two-plus years of this Patriots offense being not great. And, and at some point, yep. you have to look at the guy calling the plays. Well, because what's the common denominator, right? It's right. been three different quarterbacks in that span. They've completely overhauled the weapons. Um, the offensive line has been more or less the same, but we know the offensive line is good. The eye test tells us that. Last couple of weeks haven't been amazing, but they're also, they have a backup at right tackle. So, uh, I will, where I will play devil's advocate on this. And look, I'm the first one to jump on the, the Josh McTain. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah. But here's, here's where I'll, I, you know me, I like context. Here's where I'll put context into it. And here's what's different about these last two weeks versus 2020 and the the back half of 2019. We know historically 
they view September as an extended preseason. Sure. And I would think even more so this year, right, without that fourth preseason game, however useless it was. And they've they've done some things that suggest that they're still feeling out the roster, right? We talked about on the last show, fooling around with Haran and, and uh, Durant at right tackle instead of just putting Karras in a guard, activating Ramondre Stevenson week one, things like that. So they may still be experimenting a little bit. Now, that doesn't fully explain how flat they've been situationally, but that might be a little bit of it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if they're a little slow here, I a little slow, I get. They should be better than they've been. But I, going into the season, wasn't expecting the full offense until you get into week five, six, seven, eight, right, October, with September sure. being that preseason. To me, this is going to piss a ton of people off. That Bucks game is the last trial game. And that has nothing to do with it being the Bucks. That has nothing to do with it being Tom. That has Bill. That is because Bill in the past saying the first four weeks are the extended preseason. That's week four. That's just math. Okay. Right. I don't like math either. We can blame math all we want. I still think that they are somewhat in that experimental phase. Again, they should be better than they've been, even in that experimental phase. But I'm not ready to totally hit the alarm button just yet. Now, if they come out in week five, especially against Houston, and we yeah. saw that team last night. By the way, your boy Davis Mills, who at one point you said was better value than Mac Jones. I'm Why don't we keep that on saying, the table. I, I don't think I ever said that. You're going to have did. to go back and get the tape on that one. And you keep on calling Davis Mills my you boy. You were so like, into Davis Mills. You were so that, into Davis Mills. Right I think you, you've confused Davis Mills with Kellen Mond. I was a you big were more into Kellen Mond, but you were Yeah, Davis. I was anyway. a big Kellen Mond guy. Anyway, here's my point. They're, yeah. they're a little slow now. And that, you know, Patriots teams historically – that's true in September. So that's where I'm willing to say, okay, you know, there's an explanation for this. If they're still going three of 12 on third down in week five, yeah. if they're still going one for four in the red zone in week five, then we're DEFCON one. But okay. I, I will give them a little bit of leeway here. Oh, I'm giving them leeway. I, I think that we can give some time here. But at the same time, what I said originally, what you said is that there's one common denominator. And I, I think that we get caught up in thinking that this is just a 2021 thing because they have a rookie quarterback. The, the Patriots offense has not been good since halfway through 2019, right? Tom Brady left in 2019 after the 2019 season because they didn't have any weapons around him and the offense wasn't good that year. And, and on top of all the other stuff that you, the two to six show on your program and, and things like that, like to talk about with the drama football wise Brady is in Tampa Bay because of the weapons right and because of what's around him down there versus what was around him up here but I want to read you a few things because you said they're treating this like an extension of the preseason and to me the the numbers in terms of schematic creativity let's call it that that's a that's a big phrase I guess but that's the only thing I can think of schematic creativity point to the fact that this is still very much the preseason in a lot of ways for the Patriots because we know the preseason is vanilla, right? You go out there, you run your scheme, you run your stuff, and you don't get too ridiculous with it in August. So right now the Patriots, as we both know, and everybody knows, are two for seven in the red zone through two weeks, which is dead last in the NFL in terms of red zone frequency. But they're also 24th in the usage of pre-snap motion. They're only using pre-snap motion 44% of the time. They're 20. That sounds high to me, honestly. They're 21st in pace, meaning how many seconds in between per play they run, right? So no, how much they're running, no huddle, how much they're running tempo. They're not doing that yet. They're 21st in pace. They have only run two, two the entire season so far, run pass options with a quarterback that dominated on RPOs in college. And Mac Jones has only ran 27.4% of his dropbacks off play action, which is also 24th. So among the 32 guys that have started for the majority of the season so Can far. Can I ask you one more number? I don't know if you have this in front of you or not. I feel bad. I'm just springing this on you, but it feels okay, like it would, it would fit in there. Yes. Uh, percentage of snaps under center. I don't have that in front of me, but that's another find it right now. That's another good one, and it actually relates to what we're going to talk about in in 
the breakdown of this matchup with the Saints a little bit as well. But my point being is when you're that low in stuff like utilizing motion, running the offense with pace, play action, creativity wrinkles in the red zone and on RPO concepts and things like that, it's vanilla. Right now what they are running is vanilla. And and obviously what they're trying to do is get the entire offense – Mac Jones included, new pass catchers included, to get the basic fundamental concepts of the system down. Right? Uh, you want the number, by the way? Sure. Um, they are, on runs, they're 45% under center. On pass, they're 55% under center. I don't actually have the full split, but... So they're basically about 50-50. Yeah, so I think what the general point that I'm trying to make as well is just... They're vanilla right now. They're not running the offense with a ton of motion. They're not running the offense with a ton of play action. They're not running the offense with a ton of pace, right? They're they're not doing any of those types of things yet. And that you would like to think, especially with a quarterback like Mac Jones, who seems like he can handle a lot of those different moving parts pretty well for a rookie, you would think that those things are coming, right? You would think that some of that is coming, but – I come back to my original point. It's week three now, but we're going to wake up in, in, in a, like in 30 seconds from now, it's going to feel like in a way, and we're going to be in week eight, right? I, I mean, this the season moves quickly. And, and at some point in time, they're, they can't get too far behind the eight ball. You go to New Orleans, play New Orleans this week, and you play Tampa Bay next week with this vanilla offense, a stagnant offense, they could be looking at two and two, one and three, something like that. And then you're falling behind. You've already lost one to Miami in the division. We know Buffalo is going to be a pretty good football team. At some point in time, you have to start turning, turning it on, right? And, and getting to those other things. So that, that was my big picture theme. Number one, big picture theme. Number two is revisiting something that we talked about on Tuesday. And I thought Mac Jones talked about very candidly in his press conference on Wednesday about throwing the football down the field. And I don't want to completely revisit the topic. We talked about it a ton on Tuesday on the Tuesday show. But the one thing I wanted to say about that is I think some people get caught up in, I broke down six plays in my film review. We broke down one on here where I were talking, we were talking about his ability to push the ball down the field. He doesn't have to hit all six. Right. That no one's saying that he's got to be perfect and that he's got to hit five or six of those throws that he had opportunities down the field. But he himself, and I'm talking about Mac now, admitted that there were times where he watched the tape back from the game against the Jets and he was kicking himself that he didn't throw the football down the field more. And he just has to hit a couple of them. Right. Give me one or two. Right. It doesn't have to be all six. He doesn't have to be perfect. He just has to hit more than what he's hitting now. So do I think it's, it's all, do I think it's really, really important that Mac Jones turns into Russell Wilson and starts throwing all these deep bombs and left and right and everything like that? No, but he can manage the game, right? He, he can make sure that the offense doesn't shoot itself in the foot and he's not Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson turning the ball over like crazy, trying to push it down the field but he has to hit a couple of those. When they're presented to him, he's got to make one or two downfield throws a game. And he did that against Miami, I would say. And it just didn't work out because of Damian Harris's fumble. Look, not you know, you can't hit every deep throw. That's what makes it so exciting. It's like a truly 50-50 play, right? But, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, Michael Scott, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's kind of where the Patriots offense, it feels like, is right now, right? Like, you got to try it at some point. And they're not all yeah. going to work. They're not all going to work. That's just the reality of it. No quarterback, the best deep ball throwers don't hit every single deep shot. But the only way you know you're not going to hit is it if you don't take it. And that's kind of where they are right now. Yeah. And that's – I just wanted to clarify that because I think people listen or read that analysis and they say, Evan needs him to be perfect. Evan needs him to be this gunslinger. No. I, I don't need him to be either one of those. Evan things. needs him to be Davis Mills. <laughs> 
You're just going to keep on, on ragging me on that one. I don't need him to be any one of those things. I, or Davis Mills, please don't be Davis Mills. Uh, I don't need him to be a gunslinger. I don't need him to be Brett Favre out there. I don't need him to throw the ball 50 yards every single time he drops back. But Mac Jones is the first one to admit it, right? Mac, Mac Jones has admitted it all week long. And all of his media availabilities after the game on Sunday against the Jets on Wednesday with us in the media room, he has been saying all these things. And I'm not saying anything that he's not saying or anything that Josh McDaniels didn't say on Tuesday, right, right. when we spoke to him. And he said, yeah, there were some opportunities to push the ball down the field. We got to be better at that. So I, I think that that needs to be said that, no, I do not need him to be Zach Wilson. I don't want him to be Zach Wilson. But you can only you can only play so conservatively for so long, right? And I get that they're trying to turn him into a game manager for, to a degree in his rookie season, but you have to be opportunistic with it still, right? And you have to hit some of those downfield throws every single game, one or two of them. Just just give me that. I'm not asking the kid to be perfect. All right, before we move on to the Saints, Alex, when when I say Willie McGinnis, what comes to mind? Goal line stand in against the Colts. Goal line stand against the Colts. I, I'm glad we finally got that one in before this read. How about defense champion? What about legend? Well, add to that list entrepreneur because number 55 is one of several athletes who are investors and owners in the athletic apparel brand legends. That's right. Willie, along with guys like Steve Nash, Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes, former Celtic Marcus Morris, and even entertainment icon, Quavo are just a few names building legends into the hottest apparel brand in the market. Visit legends.com today to shop the latest trends in athletic apparel from shorts, tees, hoodies, and more and save 20% when you use our code PATS20. That's legends.com and promo code PATS20. That offer ends October 10th. Alex and I both have shorts, tees, and hoodies from legends and we love all three. So you should definitely go ahead and Use that code PATS20 and get some of your own gear because it's it's good stuff. It's high-quality stuff. Alex, uh, let's talk about the Saints now. And let, let's move into this matchup against New Orleans. And one of the – my last thesis of the day here for you, and, okay. and, then, and then you can get start giving some of uh, your opinions on this matchup, yep. it is something that Bill Belichick said in his opening statement in his Wednesday press conference, and I'm trying to find the – exact uh, line here. that There it is. So here's what Bill Belichick said on Wednesday in his opening statement. Obviously, a team we're not very familiar with personnel-wise or scheme-wise. We haven't seen these guys in quite a while, so got a lot of work to do this week, but a very, very good football team. Obviously, the last time the Patriots played the Saints was in 2017. And the last time the Saints came to Foxborough, there Unicorn show ponies, where's the beef? I, I knew you were going to bring that up. And they play every four years, right? And the last time these two teams played was Drew Brees versus Tom Brady in 2017. Very, very different teams. Yeah, there are some faces that are some similar. Alvin Kamara is still a New Orleans Saint. Devin McCourty is still a New England Patriot. But for the most part, we have two very, very different teams since the last time that they played each other. And another thing that Belichick said, and I won't read the exact quote, but I'll paraphrase is it's impossible to cram an entire scheme, an entire playbook into a couple of days of preparation. He specifically cited how deep the saints playbook is too. I I think he meant, very specifically the Saints playbook. Right. So it's impossible for the Patriots, and I think similarly it's impossible for the Saints to digest the entire Patriots offense and to digest the entire Saints offense and prepare for absolutely everything that both these teams are going to throw at you. So to me, this game is going to be won by the team that doesn't beat itself, right? And what I mean by that is – you have two coaching staffs in Sean Payton and Bill Belichick who are game plan guys, right? And they're able to see weaknesses from the opponent and attack those weaknesses and expose those weaknesses. So, for example, with the Patriots, the Saints are going to know that their offensive line has struggled in pass protection, 
right? They're going to realize that that O-line, especially against blitzes and stunts, struggle in off in pass protection. So I'm sure Dennis Allen is going to attack them in that area of the game and blitz them a little bit. They blitzed Sam Darnold 15 times last week. On the other side of the ball, they know that they've had some issues stopping the run, the Patriots' defense, that is, right? And they have a running back in Alvin Kamara, who some people might have heard of, is a pretty good player. And my guess is that the Saints are going to come out in the first quarter and try to run the football. So if you're the Patriots, self-scouting this week and identifying your own flaws to try to cover those things up is almost more important than trying to learn about the Saints. Well, you mentioned, you know, which team is going to beat, which team doesn't beat themselves. And here's where Patriots, I think, have a massive advantage. And and shout out to Chris Mason from Mass Live. He brought this stat up yesterday uh, on my Patriots preview podcast, 98.5thesports.com. Jameis Winston's made 72 career starts, Evan. Yeah. He's thrown 90 interceptions in 72 starts. That's just interceptions. Okay. He's also fumbled the ball 50 times. And granted, he hasn't lost all of those, but you put the ball on the ground, it's not good. So Jameis Winston, in 72 career starts, 140 potential turnovers. Yeah. Patriots are going to take advantage of that. He's not quite Zach Wilson, but the Patriots should take advantage of that. Yeah, I I did want to start on the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots, but you I I heard you say that. It made made that. You you brought up Jameis, and that's okay. The the one thing – that is very, very clear. And I'm going to try to pull up the stats quickly as I, as I lay this out. The one thing that's really, really clear about Jameis still is he is a entirely different quarterback when he's under pressure, right? When, when he's yeah. clean in the pocket, his PFF passing grade is something like 88.9 so far this season, right? It's really, really good. He's a 86.7 when he is kept clean in the pocket. When he's under pressure, that drops to 41.8. When he is blitzed, that drops again to 28.5. 28.5 out of 100 is how PFF has Jameis Winston currently graded against the blitz. His passer rating against the blitz, if you don't like PFF grades and that's not really your thing, is, here one second, scrolling, 33.8 against the blitz, which means that Jameis Winston could spike the ball into the ground on every pass attempt and have a higher passer rating than he does currently against the Blitz, right? So if the Patriots, the 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 big picture theme for the Patriots this week and what they have to be preaching is if we can stop the run and get Jameis Winston into traditional drop back passing game moments, right? Second and long, third and long, where he has to drop back and pass the football and we're able to spin the dial on him and get after him and put pressure on him in the pocket, this is a very, very winnable game for the Patriots, right? If they let Alvin Kamara in a pretty good Saints offensive line run the ball down their throats, then it could be a long day. Because so far, Winston's only attempted 42 passes in two games. They've really taken the ball out of his hands as much as possible. And he has gotten them beat like last week when he turned the ball over three times, specifically under pressure. So... If you can get Jameis into a traditional drop-back passing game, and now we can talk about how they defend Kamara, not just in the run game, but also as a receiver. If you can get Jameis into a traditional drop-back passing game and force him to throw to his receivers and tight ends and not let Kamara just torch you the entire afternoon, then this is a matchup that the Patriots can really have their way on the defensive side of the ball. So I'll give you another interesting stat here when it comes to, or do you still, did you want to go back to offense? No, no, we can, this okay. is top defense for now. Um, so when it comes to defending Kamara, here's an, here's an interesting stat for you in terms of touches. So touches is carries plus catches. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alvin Kamara this year, 35 touches. The next closest player on the saints is backup running back. Tony Jones. He has 15. Right. So less than half after that, it's Jameis with nine. And he's the quarterback, so some of those are, you know, scrambles. After that, then there's a bunch of guys who have four. So who's carrying the ball the most? Who has the ball in their hands the most on the Saints? Kamara, 35. Tony Jones, 15. Jameis, 9. And then four. 
they're giving the ball to, to Alvin Kamara. There's nothing, you know, for all Bill said about the Saints' deep playbook, and I'm not saying that he's entirely wrong because yeah. they're going to get the ball to Kamara in a bunch of different ways. But you more or less know where the ball's going. That's part of what makes Alvin Kamara so impressive is the Saints know he's getting the ball on every play. The opponent knows he's getting the ball on every play. Everybody in the stands knows he's getting the ball on every play. Us up in the press box, we know he's getting the ball every play. And, and they still have success with it. He can still succeed. Yeah. Right? He's still averaging. You know, he still has 121 yards from scrimmage. So that's the good news for the Patriots is they can key in on him. Because the other thing about this offense, we're going to talk a ton about Kamara. Here's why we're talking so much about Alan Kamara. Because here's the rest of the Saints' weapons, Evan. With yeah. Michael Thomas, we're not including him because he's not playing. He's on IR. Okay. Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and then Chris Hogan and Ty Montgomery, who were a great duo if it's 2015. <laughs> then a tight end, Adam Troutman and Juwan Johnson, who's got it, gotten off to a hot start. So yeah. I, I, I want to play a little game here real quick, Evan, if you'll humor me. I'm yeah. going to give you the Saints receivers again, and then I'm going to give you another group of receivers. And you tell me who you'd rather have. Marquez Callaway, Deontay Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Chris Hogan, Ty Montgomery, Adam Troutman, Juwan Johnson, or... Aaron Dobson, Michael Omanawanui, Campbell Tompkins, Austin Colley, Danny Amendola. Well, is Amendola might be the best receiver out of that group, right? Yeah. So maybe I lean 2013 Patriots a little bit on this, right? I, I don't know, but that I that thought was, that was a fun. That is so that's that's the unicorn show ponies. Where's the beef team? Right. I thought it'd be right. fun to bring that yeah, up. Yeah, no, no, that that's a hundred percent the conversation that the Patriots are definitely having. And, and by the way, just to, to humor myself, the Saints oh. in that game, Kenny Stills, Ben Watson, Darren Sproles, Pierre Thomas, Marquise Colston. Yeah. Very good group. Yeah. Very good group. But basically stop Alvin Kamara, win this game. That That's yeah. the way that I yeah. feel about it. And the Patriots. If those other guys beat you. If those other guys beat you with Jameis Winston throwing the ball. Right. James if, had a day. If, so if James beats do. if James beats you throwing a little Jordan Humphrey, you know, down the field, Lil, and, not little, little, little Jordan. I think did he take the little out? I, I I heard that maybe he's just Jordan Humphrey now, but I I could be making that up. Oh, I hope not. Anyways, if they beat you throw into little Jordan Humphrey, then so be it. Like you said, Alex, tip tip your cap, right? right. Uh, James had a good day. Tip your cap. I don't think that's going to happen from everything that we saw against Carolina. And he, he threw five touchdown passes against Green Bay, but because Green Bay turned the ball over 48 yards. Right. Because Green Bay turned the ball over like crazy, there was a lot of short fields in that game, and they managed Jameis pretty well in that one. And he he made some good plays in the red area. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But it wasn't it wasn't exactly like it, it was he was lighting the world on fire in that tape either. And like I mentioned, he only threw the ball in that game 22 times. So it, it wasn't a big – it wasn't a Jameis Winston coming out party in week one. He just didn't get the beat, which was good. Now, the Patriots' run defense against the Saints' rushing offense is a little bit of a concern, right? Because – New Orleans, first of all, the Patriots since the start of 2020 have not been able to stop outside zone to save their lives. They got exposed by it last week against the Jets. They're 27th in the league in yards per carry against outside zone since the start of 2020. And you guessed it, New Orleans' favorite run concept is outside zone, right? And they have a very good outside zone ball carrier in Alvin Kamara who can cut back with the best of them and, and expose those cutback lanes. What the Patriots ran into trouble with against the Jets, against outside zone, outside zone, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, is when the offensive line steps out towards the sideline and they get that flow running side to side, right? And everybody's running side to side. They try to pin the uh, defensive line and linebackers down, and then they cut it back up the field. The Patriots did a pretty good job of setting the edge against the Jets. There were a couple of times where it could have been better, but for the most part, the edge setting was good. The problem that they were having was in the interior of the defensive line, Devon Godshaw, Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise, Christian Barmore getting washed down by the Jets' offensive line and setting up those cutback lanes for Michael Carter. So 
I actually thought the bigger problems were in the interior of the D-line and maybe some of the fits at the second level as well, but not so much the edges, which is backwards from what it was last year, right? Last year they couldn't set the edge to save their lives, and that was their biggest problem. This game against the Jets last week was more about the cutback lanes and that being a problem. So if you're the Patriots, remember that that clip in NFL films of Bill Belichick on the sideline saying in, in Super Bowl 53, talking about having to get vertical on the Rams, right? They have to get up the field. We got to attack. We got to get vertical up the field. The Patriots were way too passive with the Jets last week in the run game. And they're allowing themselves to get reached and pushed off the line of scrimmage too often. If you're going to beat an outside zone scheme, you got to penetrate the line of scrimmage. You got to attack. And what they started to do to mitigate some of that was Jawan Bentley just run blitzing right up the middle, right? And we saw him get a couple plays behind the line of scrimmage doing that. So stopping the run is key. Stopping outside zone. Let's see if they can finally do that in a game against a good outside zone blocking team. And, Defending Alvin Kamara in the passing game is the last piece to this defensive game plan, right? What, what, are, how are they going to match up with him? Because you cannot get Jawan Bentley or Dante Hightower in coverage on Alvin Kamara on Sunday. You just can't have that matchup if you're the Patriots. So, what do you do to stop Alvin Kamara in the passing game? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, you can, I think you can still chip him. I think you can still chip him a little bit. You got to do that. Yeah, you can hold him up. I agree. Um, You know, I look at a guy like Adrian Phillips being very valuable in this game. Yeah. And he has that coverage. So here's here's what's tricky because we talked about this a little bit, you know, off the air. Uh, And you mentioned J.C. Jackson, who, you know, when they flex him outside, and you were just talking about when they flex him outside. But I've seen some people suggest like, oh, just put J.C. Jackson on him. If Kamara's in the backfield, and you have J.C. Jackson on him, either you don't have a man aligned and it gives Kamara free release to whatever side Jackson's not on, or you you have J.C. Jackson in the box, right. which is not helpful against the run. So when you have a guy like Adrian Phillips, and you know, you might, if you're playing man, you might not be able to make that distinction. Kamara might start in the backfield and they motion him out, and you're not then going to switch the coverage. So having a guy like Adrian Phillips who can maybe shadow Kamara, who is a decent run defender when he has to play in the box, right, for that man coverage assignment, should be able to stick with him. I think he's a a very, very, very valuable player in this game. Yeah, him and Duggar, I would say, are pretty valuable guys in this game. You know, just going back to camp, though, uh, Phillips has been miles ahead of Duggar when it comes to coverage. I, yeah. I think Phillips is the guy for this. I, I mean, look, you'll see probably Kyle Duggar a little bit, maybe even Juwan Williams a little bit, but it should be Adrian Phillips 75, 80% of the time. And we get some big nickel coming our way on Sunday, yeah. I'm sure. Three safety, put Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar closer to the line of scrimmage, because that way, at least as well, if you do want to play some zone and sprinkle that in there, which I'm sure they will, then those short zones – even if Kyle Duggar is not the best man-to-man matchup on Kamara, at least it's better than having Juwan Bentley or Dante Hightower in a zone with Kamara, right? So some big nickels, some three safety. Make sure that you have a DB on Alvin Kamara as often as possible in the passing game. And I do think that if it's third down and they decide to, to flex Alvin Kamara out, right, and he's out wide or in the slot, or they like to use him in this, I don't even know what alignment it's called, but it's almost like an H-back, right? He's just a little bit off the line of scrimmage, but he's he's more behind or next to the tackle, kind of in a tight end alignment or an H-back alignment. If they do that with Alvin Kamara, I think that I would not rule out J.C. Jackson getting him in those situations because he is by far their best receiver, right? He's by far their best receiver. So I, I wouldn't rule out the Patriots putting a, a cornerback on Alvin Kamara if the Saints flex him out wide or they put him in the slot, something of that nature. I think he's that good. I, I think it's worth putting a, a one of your top cover guys on him at that point. But this feels like some Hall of Fame level game plans from Bill Belichick in the past talking about the uh, the Buffalo Super Bowl when he was the defensive coordinator of the Giants with Thurman Thomas or the Super Bowl 36 with Marshall Falk, right? 
that that feels like this kind of game plan where it's it's anybody but Kamara. Right. And if you're going to get beat by somebody else, then you get beat by somebody else, but it's anybody but that guy. And yeah. that, that's, I, I feel like a great, uh, Belichick's had this game plan a dozen times in his career before, right? When he play, plays a running back that's this versatile and this dangerous with the ball in his hands. And they tend to take that guy out. And if you make Jameis Winston play left-handed and, and be the reason the Saints win or lose this game, I think that the Patriots are in good shape. Now, the one other thing. I don't know about making Jameis play left-handed. He seems like one of those guys. Like, do you remember Tristan Thompson was like a 40% free throw shooter? And then he switched and started shooting with his left hand and he got it up to like 70%. I wouldn't put it past Jameis to start throwing with his left hand and then suddenly be like amazing. That would be peak Jameis. Yeah. Okay. I know what you meant. I just, it is a funny thought. Yeah. Uh, The one other thing I want to mention before we move over to the Pats offense again is Taysom Hill. Because... If there's a moment in this game, late, let's say maybe in the second half, and Jameis is just getting eaten alive by Bill Belichick, right? And, yeah. and it's it's falling apart for New Orleans. Bringing Taysom Hill in and running read option for the entire second half, almost a glorified wildcat at that point, seems like a pretty decent strategy for New Orleans, honestly, against the Patriots. The Patriots have always struggled with option quarterbacks, right? They've always struggled with that look when you have to be even in the box, when you have a running quarterback, whether it's a guy that can really throw it like a Deshaun Watson or, you know, someone in that ilk or someone like a Taysom Hill. I don't have to bring up the the wildcat horrors like, you know, Ronnie Brown and stuff like that. Taysom Hill can throw the ball more than that. So it wouldn't shock me. If at some point in this game, New Orleans gives a drive or two to Taysom Hill. Well, I mean, look at, you know, week one, what the Dolphins did with the RPO, right? The Patriots yeah. can stop it on those the, the first drive of each half. Like if I'm the Saints, I'm, I have that circled and Taysom Hill can run that. He can essentially run with what the Dolphins did early in that game. So, yeah. yeah, I'd absolutely give that a shot, especially, you know, you go down 10 points, you're New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. I'd break that out. I think that's something that they definitely need to be ready for. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I honestly, in, in a little bit of ways, I, I think Taysom Hill might be a better quarterback for this matchup. I know that's crazy to say because I think Jameis is a much more talented thrower, but Taysom Hill is the type of QB, a mobile quarterback that can run that option offense that has given the Patriots some problems. And maybe you throw some of those short passes off RPOs and things like that, like the Dolphins did. And we the four- difference though. The diff- sorry to cut you off. You can no. go ahead. No, the, no. The, the, so the difference is one, Taysom Hill's not as accurate as Tua was, and the Saints don't have those receivers. You know, Lou okay. Jordan Humphrey isn't going to get the release Devontae Parker did. So I think if the Saints really wanted to commit to that, Bill would just put seven in the box, play one on one man across the board, and force Taysom Hill to put the ball in the window because he's not going to do that, at least not regularly enough to score touchdowns, right? You're going to end up picking him off or sacking him or whatever. Like, He's, it's, it, they, it's still, it's still more effective in bursts than it is in a long-term, uh, long-term That's strategy. I, I just, if I'm the Saints and I look at this matchup, especially if I look at what Belichick did to Zach Wilson last week, I worry about Jameis because Jameis can be a turnover machine, right? And, and still, even in that, like everybody said, oh, Jameis is, he's, he's less aggressive now, right? He's learning from his, his, not really. That game against uh, the um, Carolina last week was the same old Jameis, right? I mean, throw it up two arm punts to the defense, two interceptions that looked like that interception that Devin McCourty had on Zach Wilson last week, right? Just right. nobody around him, throw it up in the air and, and have the defense catch it and return it like it's a punt. Yeah, th- that's that's what we saw twice last week against Carolina. That's the same old Jameis. It's the right. same guy. So I don't know. I I, I think the Patriots. Uh, I think the Patriots feast on quarterbacks like Jameis, right? Yeah. I really do. This is so. So I have this theory that you know when when after Brady left last year, remember, and Jameis was still a free agent. A lot of people thought that he would come to New England, oh my and God. I, you know, he's the. He's the exact opposite of everything Bill wants in a quarterback. And look, some of this is ironic because Bill ended up signing Cam, who at this stage in his career kind of fits this description as well, but not to the extreme that Jameis does. Jameis has great arm talent. 
Yeah. He does. I mean, there's no two ways around it. He does. He threw for, like Bill said, he threw for 5,000 yards. You don't just roll out of bed and do that. But for Jameis Winston to be effective, and I think part of this is the way Bruce Arians coaches because he's a bum. Uh, part of the way Bruce, uh, part of the way Jameis, Jameis approaches the game is he's going to take risks. That's just who yeah. he is. And he's going to make some spectacular plays, but there's going to be some bad interceptions too, because that's what happens when you take risks. And when you have Jameis Winston as your quarterback, the hope is the good outweighs the bad. And that's everything Bill Belichick doesn't want in a quarterback, right? What does Bill want? He wants a guy. We're seeing it with Mac Jones. Now we've been talking about this. Just move the ball. You can do it slowly. As long as you don't turn the ball over, it's all good. Anything else is gravy. If you don't turn the ball over, you're doing your job as the quarterback. Anything else is a cherry on top. So, you know, the, why does Bill, th- I, I think Bill thinking that means he's petrified of the opposite kind of quarterback, the guy that will get you the big plays, but will also get you some big F-ups. And Jameis is that kind of guy. And I've got to imagine if Bill avoids that kind of quarterback, if Bill's that petrified of that kind of quarterback, that he, it means he knows how to defeat that guy and he knows how to do it with his hands tied behind his back. Yeah, that, I definitely think that this is a game where we could see multiple turnovers. Oh. For James we have Smith. our first trade deadline question. It took three weeks, and we have our first trade deadline question. I, we don't have to answer it, but that's unbelievable. We're 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 a long ways from that. All right, let, let's move over to the Patriots' offense and discuss some more of these things about the Pats' offense. So, I wrote about this in my Patriots game plan today, and I, I'm going to beat this drum on the show as well. The Saints' run defense over the last three years has been a top-five unit in each of the last yeah. three seasons. Their third last year, right? Yeah, they have allowed 2.9 yards per carry on under-center runs this year. 2.9. To Aaron Jones in Green Bay and Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, those are not th- – that. those two rushing attacks in Green Bay and Carolina are not terrible, right? Those, those, are, those are legit rushing get- attacks. And they shut both of them down. So, to me, this is not a game where you want to turn the ball around and and hand it off to Damian Harris 25 times. Because when you do that, you're going to get yourself into third and long situations. And then when they get into third and long, Bill Belichick talks about this this as well. (laughs) Dennis Allen has a really good third down package. Right. That's when they get creative. That's when they bring pressure. That's when they bring blitzes. Uh, issues that the Patriots offensive line have had in the first two weeks of the season will rear their ugly heads on third down against this Saints defense. So my takeaway from all of that is this is a game where I think Mac Jones should throw. I, I think they should throw a lot. And if you look at that Saints secondary, a lot of those guys are limited this week, so it's unclear whether or not Marshawn Lattimore, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, P.J. Williams, those are three starters in the Saints secondary that all are all on the injury report. Marshawn Lattimore had that thumb injury, and he had surgery a couple weeks ago. His status is up in the air. He's going to play hurt if he does play. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson's dealing with a knee issue. P.J. Williams is hurt. So... Banged up secondary, extremely good run defense. This feels like a game plan where Mac should throw. And I, I we got a fancy graphic, Alex, that oh. our our boy Emmett uh, made for us. Thank you, Admit. So, how do I do this? You oh my take god! Us off. Okay, so you I made think. it the background. You got to screen share it. Oh, and it's just me. And now it's just me. Oh, oh no! I'm still here. Hey guys, this is a mess. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the graph. You got to screen share it. You're right. I think I, I think open I and preview and do the screen share. Do you want to email it to me? I'll do it. No, no, it's okay. Fancy graphic. I'll just sum it up in a second because obviously I, I am, uh, illiterate here with this, this so- so- software that we're using. I think I actually have it in my email, but point being that last week, Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers threw for over 300 yards against this banged up secondary in New Orleans, doing a lot of it on quick shotgun throws, right? Throws that I think fit Mac Jones extremely well, right? We, we talked about maybe Mac doesn't want to uh, push it down the field too much, doesn't want to take too many chances, doesn't want to lose the game by being too aggressive and turning the football over. Well, Sam Darnold was able to do this against New Orleans with 
quick passing. And I, I think that that's what the Patriots should do this week. And they should do it from the gun and spread the field against New Orleans. And I'll get to why in a second. But, Alex, while I'm pulling this up, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of – I think the quick pass are good. I think they should throw more, but they're going to want to run the football. They're going to want to run the football, and you can't just, you know, get under center, run it, you know, 21 personnel between the tackles. I don't think that's going to work a ton this week. So we talked all offseason about how they can get creative with Jonu Smith, and we saw the one end around early. But, you know, end around to Jonu Smith, the pop pass to, to Nelson Aguilar and get him, you know, going in speed and open space. I think the – you know, and technically it's a passing play. But I think the screen game is 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 huge to kind of simulate what you'd oh, usually God. get from the run because it's going to do a lot against the run what you would want the run to do in this scenario. I got my graphic. There we go. Um, you know, whether it's putting putting the pass rush off tempo, uh, you know, keeping keeping linebackers honest, things like that. So yeah, I think that that's all that's all big this week. So here are the numbers that Sam Darnold had in week two against New Orleans on shotgun throws. And there are a couple of numbers that I want to point out specifically, but obviously the efficiency numbers are off the charts. 20 to 25, 9.1 yards per attempt. We'll take that all day of the week. But that third bullet is the one that I think is really important. That's air yards per attempt. Five and a half, right? So this was not, Sam Darnold was not slinging it down the field against the Saints defense. This was a, a dink and dunk spread them out attack. And this brings me back to something that we were talking about, Alex, with uh, Tim Jenkins a few weeks ago, right? And remember when Tim said that a lot of people think running the football makes it easier on a rookie quarterback, but in actuality, it makes it harder in a lot of ways because they're able to pack the box and disguise what they're doing defensively. And it, it kind of limits their ability to see the field, Right. Right. And what Carolina did for Darnold was they spread this Saints defense out and he was able to see the pressure coming because everybody is spread out and out of the box. So when Dennis Allen did draw up blitzes, Darnold saw where the blitzes were coming from and was able to beat them. So opening up this defense and spreading these guys out and getting guys out of the box was a really effective strategy for Carolina last week. And you can see the numbers uh, up here on the graphic are just off the charts for Darnold when they went into that style of offense. So a short, quick, efficient passing game underneath the defense, attack matchups. That's what another thing Carolina was really good at. No Marshawn Lattimore, no CJ Gardner Johnson. A couple of the linebackers in the Saints are vulnerable in coverage. So they went out there. They spread the field. They gave Darnold a clear picture of what he was looking at pre-snap, and he just hunted with the ball, right? He said, okay, I over here in the slot, I got Robbie Anderson on a safety, P.J. Williams. This one's easy, right? I'm going to take this match up here. Over there, we got Christian McCaffrey against Zach Bond, a linebacker. Let's attack that one, right? And, and so on and so forth. And that was – a very effective strategy for Carolina. And I, I know you, you're going to, you said, uh, oh, the Patriots want to run the football. And I think that's all valid. I, I, I just think they're running the football well, against this New Orleans team is keeping them in the game. I'm just saying when they want to run the football, they got to come up with other ways to do it. They're not going to throw, I, they're not going to throw the ball 50 times with Mac Jones. I just don't think that's realistic. So I, I think they should throw a 40. They threw it 39 times. I know, I know you think they should. I'm just telling you what I think they're going to do. In week one, they threw it 39 times. All right, Mac. fair enough. I, I, you know, I just, you have to run the ball at, at a certain point. You just do. And I think they need to find creative ways to do that. And maybe that's the screen game. Maybe it's the screen game. I, I would count well, them as creatively running and, the football. And the reason why I, I brought up the short passing in, in particular is because isn't that creatively running the football, right? I mean, we talked yeah. about this in the past with the Patriots offenses, like in 2011, for example, right, where they threw the ball – on first down, they throw it short and gain five yards on little option routes to Wes Welker and things like that. And that was their running game that year. Some right? of it, yeah. Some of it too, though, is like, I, you look at what they do with James White last week and he was just so good. It seems like they can duplicate that this week and it worked last week. Why go away from it? I, 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 yeah, I, I don't think they should. And the other thing is, is when you get into shotgun and you, and you spread the field a little bit and you get some of these guys out of the box, those shotgun runs that they had with James White last week were really effective. Right. 
I think that that's when you can start to run the football a little bit is if they give you two high shells or they give you six man boxes because you have them spread out, then you can start running the ball from shotgun in that respect as well. So I, I just think it's a big James White week. I think it's a big James White week. He, Christian McCaffrey had a lot of success against them last week in that matchup with Carolina. It just doesn't feel like a big Damian Harris game. And Belichick went up and said it. McDaniel said it on Tuesday about how good this run defense is in New Orleans and how good they have been for a couple of years now. And if you just hand the ball off to Damian Harris, I feel like you're you're running yourself into a brick wall, right? And the last thing that I wanted to bring up here in in this matchup on the offense side of the ball was – the right tackle versus Cam Jordan. And I was speaking to Nick Underhill, who used to cover the Patriots for the Athletic and Mass Live. Now he's down in New Orleans covering the Saints. And he told me that this is no longer peak Cam Jordan, right? This is not this is not all pro Cam Jordan. This is a little bit of a watered down version, but still a very, very good player. And if he's going up against Justin Haran and uh, Yasir Durant, for four quarters on Sunday, that is a potential backbreaker for the Patriots, right? A, a game wrecker for New England. Yeah, I think ha- I wrote about this in my key matchups this morning, 985thesportsup.com. I think having Trent Brown back is huge because that, that whole thing starts with Cam Jordan, like you said. Even if he dropped off, you know, even if he's 80% of the player he was, he's still a damn good yeah. player. Yeah. So, you know, they, they got to take care of him. They got, because like you said, if, they, if they're going to throw the ball, they can't throw the ball 50 times and pass protect like they did last week. That's just not an option. You're going to get Matt killed. Right. So, you know, it's been rough at right tackle, but the whole thing has been when Trent Brown comes back, it'll be fine. Well, now let's see. Yeah, he was limited in practice both days, right? Wednesday and Thursday so far, Trent Brown that is. So it's trending in the right direction, I would say, for Trent Brown to be able to play. Maybe he doesn't play the entire game. Maybe they they you know, give him a few series off here and there just to keep him uh, healthy and fresh. But ultimately that is a big one. And th- I would also say Peyton Turner has been on the injury report, but he, he the uh, first round pick at New Orleans has looked pretty good in the pass rush. Also Marcus Davenport, I believe is going to play in this game and he's a really good uh, defensive end pass rusher as well. So they have a couple of different options, not only just Cam Jordan, but a couple of different options to throw at that right tackle, whoever it is. And, and that's going to be a big-time test. And on the other side, let's not also discount that Isaiah Wynn hasn't looked particularly good either here in the early going. So Sometimes it, sometimes that all helps, though. We're like, you know, you get one guy back and everybody on the offensive line starts playing better. Because it, it does just, feel like Trent Brown is, is the – is the X factor or yeah. the, the glue. The of the piece. Thing. Yeah. And I do think it will make everything a lot easier. Now, if they don't have Trent Brown in this game, do you think that they are just going to let Yasir Duran and Justin Huron trial by combat with Cam Jordan? Or are we going to see chips? Are we going to see keeping the tight end in? Are we going to see sliding the protection to that side? You know, all those types of tricks that offensive coordinators use to protect their tackles. Well, we, sh- we should see Michael and Wendu move out and then Ted Karras going to guard. So we should. We're not going to see They've it. They made it pretty clear. Right. We're not going to see it. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? I mean, I, I think they'll certainly help. They're never afraid. To, well, see, here's where it gets tricky because if, if we're talking about throwing the ball to the running back a ton, well, then that guy can't block. Maybe it's the tight ends. I feel like there's a decent chance that they just end up leaving, leaving Haran and, and, and Durant out there and see what they can do. Yeah, I think there's a good chance as well. I remember a few years ago, it might have been like three or four years ago now, they had them, they played the Raiders and Khalil Mack with Leadrian Waddle at right tackle. Do you remember that? And they just let Leadrian Waddle take him one on one. They just right. didn't care. They just let him take him one on one. Now, granted, back then that was Dante Scarnecchia's offensive line, right? So, Skarnegia was notorious for having great game plans against good pass rushers like Khalil Mack. So maybe Scar had some sort of tell or or something, you know, up his sleeve that he told Lee Adrian Waddle or, or coached into Lee Adrian Waddle to, to protect him in that game. But the Patriots are not a team that typically overreacts to these types of things, right? Where they say, oh, we got to put a tight end over there half the time, or oh, we got to do this or do that, right? You know, for the most part, 
they rely, and I guess back then it's a good point in the chat. A lot of that was Brady getting the ball out, right? I mean that that was a big. But that's part of something it. Mac Jones should be able to duplicate. Yeah, I, I, and that's sort of the thing that I'm getting at too. And the other thing that I think is really what I hope that Mac learns over time as well is Brian Hoyer has a great clip somewhere from a, a hard knock season that he was on, talking about how Tom Brady moves in six feet at a time, right? It's in that compact area and his drops are always most quarterbacks, let's say in like a five-step drop are dropping to like seven or eight yards, right? Tom Brady in a five-step drop drops to like five or six instead. And those tackles, those defensive ends just run by him all game. And he sits there in the middle of the pocket and just counts on the interior guys to keep them clean. Mac will learn that eventually. That's that's something that takes time, obviously, and it's not it, – it, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. But th- this feels like another one of those games, too, where Mac could really help out his line by being cognizant of how deep he is setting in the pocket, right? Because if he starts going back 8, 9, 10 yards – then you start to run into some troubles. So uh, I think that that's something that they need to think about as well in this game is how far Mac is dropping back and how quickly he's getting the ball out of his hand. I, I think that that could help out this offensive line in this matchup too because the Saints' D front is good and, and it, oh, yeah. it is a little bit of a scary matchup for the Patriots' line the way the way they've played so far. I would say. It's it, it it almost feels like the Saints are a very similar team to the Patriots, doesn't it? Like in in terms of a lot of how you just described the Saints defensive front, isn't that kind of wouldn't we say that yeah. the Patriots were facing the Patriots, right? If Mac Jones had to go against Patriots defense, yeah, and that that feels like it's got to be a sneaky advantage, right? Yeah, I, I think that it's always a sneaky advantage for the Patriots in offense that their defense is just they have a great pass rush defensively, but they also have a lot of exotics as well. Like they, they are as complicated as any defense that they're going to go up against in the, in the season. Right. I I, I just mean in terms of, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but you know, the great defensive front, Marshawn Lattimore's out. Secondary is good. Not great. There's areas you can attack it. And if you can get into that third level, whether it be in the passing game or the running game, you're going to have success. Like, isn't that, doesn't that describe both the Patriots and the saints defense? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, like the, I think the, the, I'm basically saying the strengths and the weaknesses if, if, with Marshawn Lattimore perhaps out. Yeah. The strengths and the weaknesses of the two kind of line up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I also think there's just a lot of advantages to facing a Belichick defense in practice every day that, that shouldn't go. Well, yeah. Shouldn't be ignored, yeah. Right? Every week. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- that that's all uh, well and good. Uh, do we want to give score predictions, Alex? We don't usually do score predictions. I'm good on that. Right? Somebody did ask about Jamie Collins. We might, do we want to touch on that real quick? Yeah, we can do that one real quick. Uh, I, I said yesterday that this wouldn't surprise me if this happens, if Jamie Collins is back. There, for two reasons. One, uh, the Patriots really liked how he played in 2019. I, I think they yeah. were really happy with that. And then two, Patricia is the guy that gave him the contract in Detroit. Right. So everybody here in New England that's a part of the the brain trust is Jamie Collins fan. Right. I think that they're high on him as a player. And when I look at Dante Hightower and how he started out the season, I'm fully willing to say that that's just rust for the most part with Dante Hightower. But if they have to pull back his role a little bit and make him more of a situational player, it, it would be good to have somebody like Jamie Collins who has that kind of experience in that role and can play some of the, do some of the things that Hightower normally would do. Yeah. I, so you mentioned the contract though with Collins and yeah. he has a, a $7 million cap hit. Well, they're not going to do this unless he's released by the So, same. okay. Okay. So that, that, that's what I was going to say. His yes. contract's absolute nonsense. There's dead money into 2025. He has a $13 million cap hit next year. Like, yeah. No, absolutely. No. You will have to be released by uh by Detroit in order right, for the right. Patriots to and be interested. I don't know how realistic that is because again, thirteen million in dead cap or sorry, six million dead cap this year, three next year, and then a million the, the two years after that. Uh if he does get released, yeah, I think there's a really good shot that he's back. Just 
you can never have enough linebackers. They like you said, not just Bill likes the player. Everybody in the building likes likes him. Um, I yeah, I, I I could see it. And they they have that open roster spot now. Nikhil Harry's eligible to come back next week. We'll see what happens with that. But they basically played this whole season a player short on the roster, which we could have a thirty minute conversation in its own right. It's kind of ridiculous, but they have that roster spot. Yeah, I. I don't know. I, you can never have too many linebackers in this Belichick defense. And let's like not said. forget, he, he plays special teams too. And yeah. They haven't been great in kick coverage this year. They haven't been bad, but they haven't been to the level they were last year. So, you know, it could be something as simple as that. Yeah. And when you run this type of system that Belichick runs, mostly like a, a base 3-4, you play a lot of linebackers, right? I mean, there's a lot of linebackers on the field. And I, I come back to the Dante Hightower thing as well. If he doesn't start to turn it back on, and I, I'm confident that he will, but if he doesn't start to turn it back on a little bit here and maybe the age is in the year off and the rust and all this kind of stuff uh, becomes a bigger factor, then Collins is a type of player, institutional knowledge of the system, obviously, and somebody that I think can do a lot of the same things that Hightower can do. So it gives you a lot more flexibility. And like I said, 2019 team was really happy with, with the Jamie Collins, not only just, but the attitude, the playing, all of it. Right. So right. I, I really think that he's the type of guy that if he comes free, the Patriots would be interested in a reunion. And I'm talking about a release. They're not going to trade for that. Guy. Not, yeah. They're, so they're not gonna trade for him. yeah. So, all right. Uh, score prediction. You want to do that? No. Um, no, no, I don't have one. I don't, I, if I, I had a good one last week and I was close. It was 30 to 10 last week, but I don't have a good one. This, I don't feel confident about it. So no, I, like, it could be a high scoring game, but it could also be like 17 to 10. Like I have no idea. I'm saying 20, 23, 23, 14 Patriots. You know what? The hell with it. 30, 27 Patriots. 30 to 27. Same you, think score. Gonna, you think they're going to score six, almost 60 points? I'm just going with the same score as the Kemperell Tompkins game. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But I feel 23 14. I think the Saints get a touchdown early. Everybody panics, just like in week one. Oh my God. The defense looks terrible. Patriots tie it together at the end. Maybe they get a Taysom Hill touchdown drive at some point. I could see that happening. So that's the 14 points for New Orleans. 23 for the Patriots is about where they've been at, right? 16 the first week, uh, 25 last week. So 23-14. We're both taking the Patriots, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So Alex and I will be back on the show on Tuesday to recap Patriots, Saints, and yes, we will start talking and looking ahead to week four's matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I can promise you that we are going to talk about it 99% of the time, Alex, from a football perspective, right? Yes. So if you want the drama, if you want the Brady versus Bill, if Turn you want all that stuff, if you want to go cover, yeah, if you want the, the Kardashian story, uh, then you can find that someplace else if you want the hard-hitting football stuff because it is a game after all that they're going to play and not not a not a jerry springer show right Right. It, it, it is a game then we will have you covered next week here on patriots beat to break down a very interesting chess match between uh the patriots and the tampa bay buccaneers so tuesday show uh saints recap patriots saints recap have some initial thoughts on the game against the Bucks. Same uh, Friday morning schedule for next week in the preview show for Brady and the Bucks in week four. Uh, oh, really quickly, Alex, and then we ha- we have to go. Yeah. Uh, Julian Edelman honored at halftime yeah. in, in this game on Sunday. That should be fun. He was great talking to the media yesterday. Totally different jewels, right? The guy really uh, was short with the media for most of his career just because – of the way that, uh, you know, the Patriots run things, as he said. But right. uh, uh, much different Julian Edelman yesterday. Do you think that they have any surprises up? I, I, Jersey retirement's going too far. But, yeah. uh, I don't know, Pat's Hall of Fame, uh, some sort of 
commemorative thing or something that they got up their sleeves for them. Pat's Hall of Fame, maybe, you know, I've been wondering if maybe this is just a promotional thing for inside the NFL. Although the game's not on CBS, it's on Fox. Um, I, uh, if they, here, here's what I'll say. If you see, if you're like me and you follow Drew Bledsoe on Instagram, if we see Drew Bledsoe's in Boston, then maybe there's a Jersey retirement coming. Because I would think yeah. if they're going to retire 11, they're going to retire for Edelman, but they would have Bledsoe there. And those two do have a little bit of a relationship. So, yeah. like, if we see Drew Bledsoe's at Logan Airport or whatever, then maybe we can start talking Jersey retirement. I don't know. I think but it's I don't think, I don't think that's – because, you know, it's it, you know, if you're going to retire – as great as Edelman was, if you're going to retire Edelman, they try to retire Brewski. He said no, but you got to retire Seymour. you got to retire Ty Law. you got to right. retire Troy Brown. you got to – you know, there's so many guys ahead on that list. Yeah. Um, there'll be something. There'll be something. But uh, – yeah. yeah. I wonder if there will be some sort of – not a, a statue is going a little bit too far, but you know what I mean. Some, some, a, a picture, a, a, a wall frame thing, or you know something, right? Like along those lines of maybe the catch in Super Bowl Fifty One, for example, or, or or whatever the case may be. But I, I think jersey retirements and things like that have to wait until after Brady and Gronk hang it up, and they sort of revisit that situation, right? Well, and, they're clearly not retiring eighty seven because Trey they gave it to Trey Nixon. So, but Trey Dixon hasn't played in a, in a game yet with 87. True. Yeah. But maybe they're not retiring 87, but we know they're going to retire 12. So I feel like you can't retire 11 before 12. You just can't. Right. Like, I think right. you have to wait until Brady retires and, and then you figure all that out. So we'll have plenty more to talk about this next week with Jersey retirements and legendary Patriots. And we'll touch a little bit on the show on Tuesday about what happens at halftime with Julian Edelman. But until then signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching everybody.